Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 98 of Geek Town Radio. We are back and this week I have with me Matt. Hi David, how are you doing? I'm alright, how are you? Good, yeah, it's, uh, it's sunny and it's cold so it's, uh, it's an odd kind of weather. Uh, just took the dog out for a walk and I'm feeling a lot better than I did yesterday. Don't know if it was to do with the fact it's Monday or some weird thing like that, but uh, <laughs> definitely Mon- feeling better today. Yeah, probably because it's Monday. Mondays are always yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what have you been up to the past few weeks then? I have uh, been watching Homeland. I came back on Sunday, so I watched that yesterday. Yeah. Uh, on Monday, uh, re- really good episode. I am interested in what they're doing with uh, with a few of the characters, uh, mainly um, was it Quinn? Quinn's his name. Yes. I remember all the characters' names because it's been a little bit over a year because it was usually October and then they delayed it to January didn't they yeah uh, I think because they, did they renew it for 6, 7 and 8 or something uh, yes they I did like that. Yeah. yeah they yeah. did a three season renewal yeah but uh, Carrie is back or uh, is it Claire Danes Carrie yes Claire? Claire Danes yeah yeah uh, she's back it's pretty good uh, it's going to be interesting this year for, specifically for me to have House of Cards 24 uh, and Homeland three similar type shows in a way Yes, I guess. I'm not necessarily, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily put House of Cards in there, but yeah, certainly uh, mm. Homeland and 24 are, are very similar in the types mm. of shows. So Yeah, and you've got Howard Gordon in there as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I think um, the same guy does the music as well, so it's a lot of the same team. Yes, so. it is. It's uh, Sean Callaghy. Sean Callaghy, yeah. Uh, who yeah. we've interviewed on the show before, yes. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's Sean doing the music for both. Uh, yeah, so I've been watching that. Uh, also been trying to catch up with House of Cards, uh, as we said. Um, I'm on just the start of season three. I think I'm, I've watched the third episode of season three so far. Right. Um, pretty good. Pretty good so far. Um, I did think that I would get bored of it eventually, but because it's kind of like obviously heavily on political things because it's to do with the president and stuff. But Kevin Spacey is amazing in the show. Um, he really delivers this. This guy that you don't want to like sometimes and this guy that you do want to like sometimes. Like when you see him come up against, not, not in a fight kind of way, but like the, I think it's the Russian president he meets at one yes. point. Yeah, and yeah. he's like this clearly worse a guy with worse intentions and like yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, and then you've got the woman who plays Claire. She's pretty good as well. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been an interesting show. It's made me care maybe 5% more about politics than I was before. Yeah. So, so that's what, 5% then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was zero before. So, yeah, I, I still don't really understand politics that much, but it's an entertaining show to watch. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's been really good. I've noticed a whole bunch of stuff on Netflix, so I took some time out to actually 
you know, use my subscription and watch some stuff on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I watched the take 10. I don't know if you've seen that advertised on there. I have seen it advertised. I haven't watched it. It's basically like a kind of road trip, teenage sort of thing that really takes a turn that, I don't know, some of you might expect it. I certainly didn't. Um, but it took, it takes kind of an interesting turn and turns into this kind of, um, there was a film a few years ago that, uh, it had Matthew Fox in it. I can't remember what it was called, but it showed, it basically one of the things that shows the same situation, but from different people's perspective, that takes turns. Right. So yeah. Like, so it like shows you how each person's situation matches up to the overall story. So it kind of works out that way. Um, yeah. so if you think, how did this happen to this character, then it will go to their situation and it'll explain that to you. So, uh, yeah, really enjoyed that. There's a lot of different types of characters in there as well. People that you kind of do and don't expect. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, so it's a nice length. And it ends kind of in an unexpected way that you don't quite expect. Although some of you might, but, uh, yeah. Good. I watched uh, Rogue One, Star Wars film. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was fine. It was all right. I, I agree with... I listened to you and Ross. Uh, I think you had Ross on it uh, yes. last time or before. Uh, time I, do, for last I do agree with, uh, with what Ross said. I wouldn't call it a waste of time. It just... I don't know. I would have liked to have seen these characters introduced before as well. In like a different... Something in like another part of, of something else. I don't know quite how that would have worked, but... I, I suspect you may see some of those characters possibly pop up in the cartoon because in the Star Wars Rebels cartoon, because that's the only place you can really do it at this point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because I doubt they're going to try and slot another movie in around that time period. So mm. that, yeah. that seems likely. I don't yeah. know. It, it, it was still good, and the Darth Vader stuff at the end was really, really cool as well. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, I won't spoil anything, but the CG versions of some particular characters was quite cool as well. Yes. Uh, what, what do you think they should do about uh, the whole Carrie Fisher thing? Because um, it's it's a complicated situation, isn't it? It is. I mean, it sort of depends on how much they have available to them from footage they shot they've shot already for the next movie if there's any extra bits and may or maybe they can spread bits out across both films. That would be one possibility. I'm not averse to them using a CGI version if they need to for certain bits. I, yeah. I'm not sure I do it in the same way that they did Tarkin, but I, mm. I, you know, to that extent, uh, like a fully digital character. But if they needed to use her in certain places, I wouldn't be averse to that. They have said, I think, that they're not seeking to use her likeness. They've not, they're not seeking, seeking to get permission to do that. So whether you're going to start the movie after this one with something get, getting blown up with her inside, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I definitely think that if you killed her on screen in like a digital version, that would be kind of hard for Star Wars fans and for basically everybody else to like to take, yeah. considering the actress has unfortunately passed away. So to see her there on screen would be maybe even harder. Yeah. So yes, it's a complicated thing. I, I, I think that if they ask the rest of her family, can we use like CG and stuff to uh, to put her in the rest of the films and they say yes, then I, I don't see any reason why they can't. Like that's the ultimate person that you ask really. Yeah. I mean, they've, they have said they're not doing that, but uh, I, I don't know whether, whether that maybe will come up. It's tricky. It's very tricky. I'm mm. sure they'll find a way around it. I, I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. 
I didn't quite in a, in a similar situation. I didn't see. I hadn't seen. Is it Fast and Furious Seven where Paul Walker passed away? Yes. Uh, so I didn't find. I so obviously it would be a bit a little bit spoilery for me to know, but I didn't. I haven't. I haven't found out how they worked their way around that yet. So uh, I, I've never known any other situations like that before. There, there have yet. been a few occasions. Um... Not in things I've seen, I don't think. No, um, Oliver Reading Gladiator they did it with. They they used bits of CG even back then to finish off bits and pieces uh, of his performance. So I mean, it's not it's not unheard of. And they did it with they did do it with Paul Walker for some of, of bits of uh, Fast and Furious. Okay. But, yeah, because um, he, he hadn't finished filming at, no, at that point. No, no, but they had sort of, so they reworked it. So they used the footage that they had and took him out of some scenes and then used bits of, of kind of CG work to, to put it back together. But, mm. so I don't know. Um, yeah, let's see what they, what they come up with. Yeah. I also watched Doctor Strange as well. Did a little, little bit of a film to catch up, another one we'll uh, get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, really liked it. It was really cool. It was definitely a fresh take on um, superheroes and on Marvel, like and a nice break from the Avengers, which we've seen like th- three times now because we've seen them in um, in Captain America and in the first two Avengers films. So it was, a, it was a nice break to get away from those types of superheroes. It wasn't another Iron Man film. It was like a fresh new uh, new character as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was really cool as well. Uh, what, yeah. what do you think of it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought it was a nice way to introduce the kind of magic thing into the Marvel Universe. Um, yeah, I, I thought it worked really, really well. So, you know, um, mm. I'm looking forward to seeing how he gels with everybody else when they start mixing him in with, with other members of the Marvel world. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard that him and Hulk are going to be in Thor. Like, yes, I not whatever that film is called. Thor, Thor uh, Ragnarok. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I heard that he's going to be in that as well. So that should be pretty good. Yeah, um, he, he's a bit like a magical Iron Man in a way. He's sort of sort of a bit like that. Yeah, I guess. A little bit. Yeah, I played the. There's currently a three-hour trial for Watch Dogs Two, which is on the PlayStation and the Xbox. So. If you get both, go and try them out on both. Yeah. Um, which I played. Uh, I also did the first impressions video for that as well. Really good game, man. Have you played it? Uh, played the first one. I've not played the second one. I I was slightly put off by some of the reviews I'd seen for it. So I might wait until it comes down in price a bit and then go and buy a uh, mm. version of it. Yeah, it's still, still pretty fun. Still uh, fun to just go around and just work out where to hack and. Where's the, what's the best route to take and the route that you're not going to get spotted? Unless you don't mind getting spotted, but then it turns into a bit more of a, not Uncharted, but more of an action game than a stealth hacky kind of game. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Telltale came up with Walking Dead Season 3, which is the first two episodes. Really good start. Um, I like the way they... I like the way they reveal the return of a specific character. It's, it's quite nice. Um, oh, okay. Fun as well in the way that... Uh, because Clement, oh, we know Clementine's in this season. It's... It's funny how, because we've known her since the start, but we're playing as Javier, and he's just met her, so it's kind of, you you have this longer relationship with her, but you're controlling the guy who's just met her. Oh, kind okay. Because when we, when we met her as Lee in season one, they were both fresh characters to us, so it was sort of the same three-way type of relationship. Like, we were new to them, and they were new to each other. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, so it's, in, it's interesting to play it that way, because he doesn't quite have... He has the trust of her, but he doesn't quite have that close relationship that the character, the player, or the head of her. So it's quite interesting that way. Yeah. It does get slightly to a point where when you consume so much Walking Dead, whether it's the comics or whatever, that 
if someone's dangerous and they're gonna they're threatening to kill somebody in the group that inevitably you have to take them out or get somebody else to do it which we've seen in different occasions in the walking dead yeah um and like whether someone's worth saving because you know that they've got like the best way of going about things um so it's quite interesting that way as well yeah uh, have you started it yet? I haven't yet. No, I think I've actually got a little bit of the uh, last game to to finish as well because oh, I was okay. I was waiting. I sort of was waiting for all of that to come out, mm. and then oh, it got oh, yeah. kind of left by the wayside until I, uh, I, I, you know, and other games overtook it. So I need to go back and finish that off as well. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I got the season pass for it, and there's also if I don't think it's on the Xbox, but if you go on the PlayStation, Telltale's Minecraft is on sale. So oh, twelve pound. Right. It's twelve pounds, and that's for all eight episodes, and that's the cheapest I've seen it. Yeah, like, I was gonna say, the that's whole a, thing is oh, is yeah. like thirty episodes, um, thirty pounds. Some places I've seen. So as soon as I saw, it, I was like, yeah, I, I'm not going to see this cheaper anywhere else for a while. So yeah, um, yeah, that was pretty good. To, to yeah, that's up. that's worth it, definitely. Mm. Uh, especially the eight episodes, not just five. So yeah, good. yeah. I watched the first episodes of Firefly, the old um, Fox <laughs> sci-fi adventure series that. Uh, you guys keep talking about yes. so see what the fuss was about. Um, really good. They're obviously, of course, it's going to look older than some other stuff because it is. But yeah, I'm excited to see where their adventures go and then they'll be short lived. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's been really good as well. And then I watched that little Disney film that came out four years ago called Frozen. Um, <laughs> took the, off quite well. The one so, person in the world that hasn't seen Frozen yet, yes. Yeah, I think so, maybe. Yeah. It, it, it's weird. I, I, um, I often see, like, on Facebook, people say, oh, I'm watching Frozen with my child for like, the 10th, 15th time. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't got out to it yet. Uh, but <laughs> I, I just kind of put one Sunday morning aside and my niece was, uh, was over and we, we sat down and watched it and it was really good. Yeah. Uh, the, the one small, not complaint really, but I thought Elsa would be in more of the film. Right. Yeah, no, she, she isn't. Yeah. Uh, she, she's really cool. And she does all this eye stuff, which I didn't know that either. <laughs> no, it's, like, I, it's like I watched the trailer on the Friday and I was like, I'm watching a trailer for something I haven't seen that's like four years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah I didn't, I didn't even know that she had powers until I saw that trailer. So I was like, oh, she shoots like ice out of her own. That's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool to see that in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what I've Cool. Cool. Well, I I also watched Homeland, which I uh, really enjoyed. I'm really happy to have that back. I, I think the stuff with Quinny's interesting. I want to see whether they're actually going to get him back at some point or, or whether they're going to end up killing him off or I don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah. It, it, some, that's some kind of it, interesting. Some people have called him like the Jack Bauer of Homeland now, which yeah, yeah. not in the action badass sense. We haven't really seen that, but in terms of a guy that goes through some rough stuff and is yeah. a male character of the show, I definitely agree with that in, in that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I did kind of laugh at the scene where, you know, where that guy comes in, this isn't really that much of a spoiler. Uh, when the guy comes in and Quinn's holding this can with his right arm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then he says, "Give me your money," and he's, <laughs> he's with trying one, to get the money out of the with jacket. One arm and one hand, he's trying to hold his can <laughs> and get the money out. And he says, "Like, hurry up and get the money out." And, <laughs> and these other two girls are just sitting on this bed watching. I was just like, "What's up with your other hand?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no, yeah. yes, he was so somewhat stoned at the time. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, that was really good. Um, I'm so happy to have Homeland back because I do love that show. Uh, so I watched that. There's there's been a number of things returned as well. Lucifer came back, which again is is really fun, and I'm enjoying that series immensely. So I'm I'm glad to have that back. Bones 
also back for a, a final season. It's getting to the point where I'm glad that they gave it a final season so they could wrap things up, but it's mm-hmm. getting so preposterous at this moment that I think it, it's time it should end. So, <laughs> so I, I'm going to watch this final yeah. season, but I am, uh, you know, I, I'm sort of... Hurry up and get there, kind of thing. Yeah, I think it, it's, yeah. it's at the point where it, it, you know, it's good that it's probably going to a close. I've seen a couple more episodes of Legion as well, Mm -hmm. which I've had previews for. Whereas it was difficult to judge it on the first episode because it's so kind of weird and odd that first episode that it's very difficult to to see where it, exactly where it's kind of of going but the second and third episode uh, there was also suitably strange but it kind of jumps backwards and forwards and ref- and references things you've seen earlier and and that sort of stuff okay. so it, it's really nicely put together and over a number of episodes you start to see how they're building it um uh, so it, it's it's a really really interesting series so it's out on 9th of february on fox and um i'm looking forward to that coming on tv and see how it goes down with the audience because uh, i think it's on I, I thought it was on fox i think it's on fx in the u.s which you know it's an interesting place for it it's going to be mm. interesting to see how well that goes down also this week, I've seen the first episode of Emerald City, which I think is actually airing in the US now, but I got a preview for it because that comes out over here um, towards the end of February. We've not got an exact date for it yet, but it, it will be towards the end of Feb on Five Star that's coming. So the way I would describe it is it's kind of the Wizard of Oz shoved through a filter of the 100 and Game of Thrones. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, that's... I don't. Yeah, you've lost me. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. for example, uh, Dorothy is Wizard of Oz and Game of Thrones. Those are two very different things. Yeah, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Wizard of Oz. Sort of the one hundred Game of Thrones would be the touchstones I would give to it. Dorothy is is a sort of twenty year old girl. She's basically adopted by a family in a farmhouse. She's left there by her biological mother who is a drug addict. Um she's Doctor. sort of yeah, yeah, so that's a sort of dark starting point. She caught up in the tornado which takes her to Oz, but is hiding inside a police car she sees the tornado coming jumps into a police car for refuge uh the police car gets kind of whipped up in the tornado and that's the thing she's in that drops her in oz oh so so that's how she gets there and uh she's actually a nurse but he's kind of but that's how she ends up with the police dog which is named toto so toto is a police dog the scarecrow is a rather hunkier kind of guy that she finds crucified being crucified on the yellow road that she's following to get to Emerald City. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's lost his memory. So that's, you know, the Scarecrow character. Uh, the Wizard is played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who uh, many people will know played Kingpin on uh, Daredevil, Daredevil Season oh, 1. Right. Okay. Uh, he play- he's playing the Wizard... The wizard is is basically a sort of dictator character that is running Emerald City. And it's very interesting what they've done with that, because rather than being kind of this little guy that that is hiding behind a curtain, they've they've taken that as a kind of psychological metaphor for him. So he's got a sort of psychological curtain that he hides behind. So he he puts himself forward as being this kind of really loud, angry, brash person that's confident and in charge. 
but in actual fact there is definitely something more going on behind that and he's clearly not entirely sure what he's doing and he's faking quite a lot of it so the, that's that's the sort of way that they they've done it with with the wizard kind of behinding behind a curtain it's sort of a psychological curtain that he's hiding behind so it it's a really interesting take on uh, wizard of oz it's called emerald city comes on to five star towards the end of february but i i think that's going to be quite a good one to go and watch when that comes out mm-hmm. so i've been watching that a series of unfortunate events i'm about halfway through that now which is brilliant it's it's just funny, suitable for a for a sort of PG audience. Okay. It's that's got uh, Neil Patrick Harris, right? Yes, that's got Neil yeah. Patrick Harris playing Canto Laugh in it. The the kids in it are brilliant. The it's it's really entertaining show. Each episode is basically Neil Patrick Harris's Canto Laugh trying to con the person who the kids have been left with because the kids are orphans and something usually happens to the person that is in charge of them so in each episode they get moved from like one guardian to another um, or every couple of episodes they move from one guardian to another so the guardian okay. gets kind of killed off or is you know imprisoned or whatever and uh, and they end up moving moving to a new guardian and then he comes back kent olaf comes back with a new disguise trying to con the uh, orphans out of their fortune so <laughs> it's 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 funny it's weird it's brilliantly put together i can't recommend that series highly enough yeah. it's really good I did go to watch it and then I didn't. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I think what it was, I went to watch it and then I, the House of Cards just came up and I'm like, yeah, I'll just carry on with the House of Cards. So yeah. I need to. I want to finish some stuff before I move on to other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sort yeah. of trying to do that as well. There's a number of things on Netflix I want to get to and I haven't yet. Um, mm. So there was that. There was a couple of documentary things that I watched, Bright Lights and Wishful Drinking, which are both by Carrie Fisher. Uh, Bright Lights is the documentary she did, which is sort of more about Debbie Reynolds, her mother, who was a um, classic Hollywood starlet. Yeah. And uh, it's it was done a couple of years ago, and it's her doing kind of interview pieces with her mother and their life together because they lived in a compound together so they were very very close and it's about sort of then growing up and her relationship with her and and that sort of stuff but that's quite beautiful and if you're a fan of carrie fisher it's worth going to watch that's on um sky on demand if you want to go and see that there's also a thing called wishful drinking which was a stage show that carrie did and uh, that's again her talking about more about her life and relationships and and uh, drug taking and that sort of stuff which is very very funny so that's called wishful drinking you can get that on sky box sets as well that's worth going to watch mm. um gaming wise i had a little bit of a play with uh, dishonored 2 which i'm really enjoying i what, also kind of like magical ones uh, there's no i mean it's it's a stealth game i'm sure there is magic coming into it i'm only at the very start so Uh, but it's it's pretty much like the first one really it's a stealth game basically sort of trying to you can either get play it as a stealth game and avoid all the guards or you can go in guns blazing but it's a lot more difficult to play it that way um And uh, it's it's you get the choice at the start to play as Corvo, who was the character that you played in the first one, or you can play as the uh, princess, who is now the queen, who was the person he was protecting in the first one, and she's now grown up. So you can play as either of them. So that that's kind of a new, interesting twist on that game. But it, it's it's good fun. I've 
been enjoying that. There was another game called Urban Empire, which I've just started playing, which is sort of a city builder with kind of politics thrown on top. Right. It's it's by the same people that make Tropico, which is a, a brilliant, brilliant city builder game. So I've I kind of bought it on that basis. I don't think it's as good, and I think it's maybe a little early to tell. There is, it's very difficult because it's brand new. There's not that much information in terms of you know you can't go and Google things if you can't find stuff, you know, because it's because it's a brand new game out. So yeah. um, I'm still trying to work out if things are working correctly or not in the game, or if there are things that are bugged in it and it's, you know, it's not working how it should. So I, I don't know. I don't want to kind of overly judge it yet, but yeah, I was struggling a little bit with certain things. It doesn't guide you through very well the in, in terms of how to actually play. So you okay. you kind of, it gives you a few little hints and then you're completely left on your own. So, <laughs> so which mm. isn't re- very good for that sort of game, for those sort of city builder games. It's, it's quite difficult to, to work out. Um, they doesn't give you enough feedback in certain situations on like how changing certain settings will alter how things build and that sort of thing. And it doesn't really give you enough feedback to be able to do that properly. I think it could do with a bit of extra work, but well, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the rest of the reviews say about it. But that was my feeling on it. Okay. Um, yeah. I did go to buy the first Dishonored because it was about £12. Uh, the Definitive Edition. Um, yeah. But then it was out of stock. And then I went uh, back to the same shop and then it was out of stock. And they haven't had it in stock since. So, uh, yeah, that's the only reason I've been able to play that because I can't. It's good. The first Dishonored yeah. game's really good. So mm. it, it's worth getting. So that's what we've been doing this week. Next up, we have some film and TV news. <laughs> So we'll start off with the big news that dropped yesterday. Star Wars Episode Eight finally has an actual title, and mm. it will be called The Last Jedi. So it'll be Star Wars The Last Jedi. Thoughts? Thoughts on the new name? I As soon as I thought saw this name, one, I saw every single news thing report it within like five minutes. And yeah. I, I noticed specifically with comicbook.com, they were like, what does the title mean? What does it mean? And then they made like two separate posts. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I was thinking that some people might think that it would mean like someone specific would die or something like that because the last of something means you know you have to somehow get rid of all the rest like are they going to do something with luke in that way or are they gonna i don't know because they said that princess leia has a bigger role in nine so i obviously she's not going to die in eight unless it's something else they have planned i don't know but mm. uh that's kind of along the lines where i was thinking because it feels like in a way of moving moving on to the generation of finn ray and is it poe the, the, the pilot yes poe i think that's the name yeah in a way of moving on to to them in a way yeah i i think that's the case i mean there was a couple of interesting things about it firstly Yes, firstly the fact that the logo is red and not yellow, which they've done for some of the darker movies in the past. So, you know, whether that is is indicative of the fact that it's a darker themed thing, I, I don't know. The, there was clearly, I mean, I, I think it, it was done obviously as a clear choice to do it in red. So mm. Um, mm, it, it's interesting. It's, and just, it's just funny how a company releases a logo for something and a name <laughs> and everyone loses it. <laughs> I know. It, it, even with like, remember when, um, I think that was the week leading up to Red Dead Redemption 2, all Rockstar posted was <laughs> yeah. a, a, an image of a red, uh, sorry, a black letter R. Yeah. And that was it. 
that yeah. was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. It was that was very funny. I mean, it is incredible that literally all they've released is a logo and people are analysing it to death. Mm. Um so yeah, that people, was, some people have even been like, "Oh, I don't like the name. I'm not going to watch it." I'm like, "You haven't even seen a trailer yet." Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, really? Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to watch it because of the name. That's stupid. But yeah, the Last Jedi. The other thing that somebody pointed out actually is Jedi is potentially plural for Jedi. So the fact that it's called the Last Jedi could actually mean the Last Jedi's because Jedi is plural of Jedi. Okay. So it might actually not mean the last one singular. It might mean the last ones plural. Okay, so the last ones standing sort of thing. Yeah. Rather than the last one standing. Yeah, it might be the last ones standing. So it may be Luke. It might be referring to Luke and Ray in that, quite possibly. I I don't know. It's interesting and certainly has got a lot of people speculating. But as you say, there's only so much speculation you could actually do, no matter how much people are trying with it. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, yeah I, just wait, wait for the trailers to come out and then see what people yeah, do. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I'm I'm sort of quite interested in that. I did think the color choice was interesting, though. I I think it'd be interesting to see whether that is significant or or not. You've got to assume that it is because they don't do these sort of things by mistake usually. No. So, no. so you've got not, to assume not the a fact. massive company like that. No. Um, no, and not knowing how much traction that that was going to get. What, so, what about if the opening scores in red? Yeah, well, I, that that would be different. I don't yeah. see that happening, but yes, that would be quite different. But uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see, we'll see. The new movie is being directed by Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson did make a comment about the fact that he wanted it to be the new film to be uh, a blast and funny and to be a ride the way Force Awakens was and the original Star Wars movies were, which which doesn't sort of scream it being darker, but he yeah. does say the Force Awakens and the original Star Wars movies and people would put Empire as being the darker of those films. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that means it can't have darkness in it somewhere. I might have a bit more of a downer ending to, to it than the others. But who knows? Who knows? We'll mm. see. So moving on from Star Wars, Sky Atlantic have got a couple of new, well, one new, one old commission that they've given to some shows. First one is called Gone. It's written and created by Lenny James from Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. It's going to be directed by Nick Murphy, who is a BAFTA-winning director of uh, Occupation in the Last Kingdom. It's also got Saran Jones in it. It's got Stephen Graham in it. Stephen Graham from Bulwark Empire and This Is England. Saran Jones from Dr. Foster and Scott and Bailey. Set on a southeast London housing estate, uh, Gone follows a unique and unlikely hero in the form of Nellie Rowe, who is played by Lenny James. He's a man that likes a drink he spends his days bookending um his his day with his first and his last pint uh nelly lives with whichever woman he happens to be sleeping with at the time more often two two or more than once he's the life and soul of the pub he's a charmer a chancer a bit of a fighter a liar uh, a man that really should know better he's accused of a terrible crime so sets off to clear his name and find the real perpetrator it's a journey that slams in hard up against the debris of his careless past but also offers him a chance to make amends for some of his mistakes so it's kind of an interesting sounding one sounds like lenny james basically thought i like the sound of this character 
radio or I write myself a nice nice roll in this. Yeah. It's going to be coming on Sky Atlantic at some point next year. It's called, well, either later this year or next year. It's called Gone. It does beg the question, what happens to Morgan in The Walking Dead? Although... It, it, depends, it depends how many episodes this is. If it's 13 or like, you know, like a 12, 13 thing, I can see him doing both. Um, although we said that about Ethan, he uh, he actually walked off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah, but I then, know. then you know, at the moment, as far as we're aware, Sonequa Martin Green, who is playing the lead in Star Trek Discovery, at the moment, he's still alive in The Walking Dead. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, admittedly, we've got another half a season to potentially kill her off, but um, difficult to tell whether it means anything or not. I suspect it, with it being a Sky Atlantic series, you see, it may only be six or ten episodes. Yeah, I maybe. Mean, uh, how many is um, Lucky Man? That's like ten or eight, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's eight or ten, I think, Lucky Man. So, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily going to be that long. So I, I don't see it as really being a, a problem for Walking Dead. I think it, you know, potentially he could do both. Or they could just kill it, have killed him off and that's why he's doing oh, it. He'll so, see him at the start and then at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, like we did with Heath. Yeah. Um mm. So so there's that. Also coming back for a third and final season is The Tunnel. This one's subtitled The Tunnel Vengeance. This is the remake of, of the Nordic Scandinavian show. I, I watched the first couple of episodes of the first season of this and then kind of dropped away from it. So, it, I mean, it, it was fine. But it just didn't grab me. Mm. So I, I don't know. It's it's going to be set in Europe amidst the hysteria around the refugee crisis, increased threat of terrorism. So, you know, uh, very much nothing to do with the tunnel, I think, at this point. <laughs> but, you yeah. know. Yeah. So yeah, that will be back, I suspect, uh, towards the end of the year as well. There's those two to look forward to. And finally, in the news, we've got um, Star Trek Discovery has found a new cast member, but is also delayed again. So <laughs> it's not been an easy thing getting Star Trek back on the small screen. Uh, how many times has it been delayed? Uh, twice now. This will be the second right. time. Because it was supposed to be January, and then they pushed it back. Then they announced Brian Fuller was no longer going to be in charge of it because he had to go off and do American Gods. So they they pushed it from January to May, and that was supposed to give them more production time. They've now apparently pushed it back again, so that May slot has disappeared. Chances are that if, if, if they pushed it back again, it's probably not going to turn up until autumn, I wouldn't have thought, because yeah. that's going to be their next big launch slot. So, you know, because they've got sort of a big launch slot in January, one in May, and then one in autumn. So you would think that they will bump it to the other side of the summer if that's the case. The casting announcement was that they've cast James Fran or James Frain as the uh, father of Spock. He's playing Sarak. And Sarak's been on the show a number of times um, in various guises. He's been in the movies as well. So uh, James Frain, you'll know as Theo Gallivan, who goes on to play Azrael in Gotham. He was in the Tudors. He's popped oh, up in... One of the most annoying characters. So yeah. I think I've seen it in something. Yeah. He's, he's appeared in the Tudors, uh, True Blood, True, uh, Orphan Black he was in. He's been in Grimm. He's been in True Detectives. He's been in Agent Carter, he was in Fringe, he was in an episode of 24, uh, The White Queen. So, I mean, he's popped up kind of all over the place. It was funny, actually, because when I when that announcement went up, I got a text message off Andrew going, no, not James Friend. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> 
because he he really he finds him incredibly wooden. And I did point out that well, if that is the case, and that you know having somebody who doesn't really display emotion on screen is probably quite a good person to play a Vulcan. I would have thought on a TV <laughs> show, but um, right. I think that's a little harsh on the on the guy. But you know, I I do think he's quite a good pick for playing a Vulcan on screen. So, you know, at this point in the Star Trek timeline, Sarek was the Vulcan ambassador to the uh, United Federation of Planets, and he goes on to marry an Earth woman called Amanda, and they give birth to Spock. So, you know, Spock is half Vulcan. We don't know, as I said earlier, an air date for Star Trek Discovery yet. So uh, we've currently got it set as unknown. But as I said, the likelihood is if it does miss that May air date, it's very, very likely they'll shove it into the autumn because that's when their next big launch period is. So we'll see. Mm. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Next up, we have an interview. The interview this week is with production designer Barry Robinson. His latest work is on a movie called Haxel Ridge. Haxel Ridge, actually, they've just announced the Oscar nominations. Haxel Ridge has just been nominated for six Oscars. So, right. <laughs> so that was right. quite fortuitous. It's the directorial return of Mel Gibson, who hasn't directed a movie in 10 years. So it's Mel Gibson back behind the camera. It stars Andrew Garfield from Spider-Man as uh, Desmond Doss, and it's Based on a true story, it's about an American soldier in World War II who fights on the front lines without a weapon. He's named as one of the greatest heroes in American history. He was an army medic who single-handedly evacuated the wounded from behind enemy lines, saving 75 men and was rewarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. So it's a fascinating and incredible story. Barry was the production designer on the movie Axel Ridge. He had to build everything from battlefields to bunkers, uh, barracks, Japanese farmhouses. They even had to build this enormous cliff face, which he talks a bit about in the interview. The other thing was that they also had a very, very minimal use of CGI. So a lot of the stuff that's in the film was done using practical effects because of a very limited budget that they had. Uh, So he was a fascinating person to talk to. We also talk about how it was working for the first time with Mel and on Mel's first movie as a director in 10 years as well. So here's the interview with Barry. We will see you afterwards with some air dates. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, Barry. How you doing? I'm excellent, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for coming on and spending a bit of time anyway to, to talk to me. It's uh, very nice to have you on. Should we start off a bit about your uh, your background? How did you get into the, the business in the first place? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> well, I was, uh, when I was a little boy, I was a, a child actor. And really? then, uh, yeah, and... Uh, but I, I, you know, as I got older, I didn't, I didn't think I was any good. So I drifted <laughs> into behind the stage and uh, went to university and got my uh, degree in, in uh, scenic and costume design for theater. 
Right. And uh, of course, went east, stopping first in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where there is a fantastic theater by the name of the Guthrie Theater. And then I went to Chicago and I worked with David Mamet and all those boys out there, you know, at Steppenwolf and all those companies. And then I went to New York. And then uh, I starved in New York as a, you know, <laughs> wannabe theater designer. And I drifted into uh, daytime television where you could make money. <laughs> and, uh, so I did the uh, I did the soap operas for a number of years. And oh, wow. that was, yeah, that was fantastic training. And then uh, one day I woke up and I just said, oh, I've got to go to Los Angeles and get in the movie business. So I uh, indeed came to California and didn't know anyone and had to start all over from the very, very, very bottom. Yeah. And then claw my way up, claw my way up. <laughs> and uh, so I did. There it is. That's how I became a production designer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you've, you worked across a huge range of films. Uh, X-Men Oranges, Wolverine, Wedding Crashes, Pitch Perfect, <laughs> Ouija you did recently, uh, Vacation, Chronicles of yeah. Narnia, Voyage of the Dawn Treader was one of yours as well. So there's a lot of films. The latest one, uh, Haxel Ridge, yes, which is a really fascinating story. I love it when when they find these these little stories that aren't necessarily all that well known and then turn them into to big movies. So yeah. um, stars Andrew Garfield as Deadman Doss. It's during the Second World War and he served during the battles of Okinawa, but refused to carry a weapon. Um, became the first conscientious objector in history to be awarded the Medal of Honor for Act of Bravery, which is a brilliant, brilliant story. Amazing. How did you get involved with the film? Well, I had uh, just finished a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I came back to California and I said to my agents, I don't want to do any more comedies. That's it. A moratorium on comedy. <laughs> and they said, okay, okay, okay. Well, we'll set you up with interviews with some producers. And I said, oh, wow, fantastic. Thinking they would never come through. (laughs) And uh, I got a call from David Permit and his office. And they said, "Uh, do you want to come in and meet with David? You know, and I was going, yeah, absolutely. He's very well known and, uh, you know, a really great producer. And so uh, I sat down with him and we had an incredible rapport. I mean, really just back and forth. And it was just a lovely lovely meeting. And uh, towards the end, he said, well, what are you up to? And I said, well, I'm not up to anything. I just got back. And he said, well, are you wanting to get back to work? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I've got a little project, you know, not a big budget, a little project with Mel Gibson and Bill Mechanic. Uh, and I, I sort of, whoa, <laughs> back in my chair. And I he said, would you like to go in and meet? And I said, absolutely. I would love it. So I went in and I met Bill and uh, Mel and I uh, had a great conversation. Perhaps the reason it was so good, it was more like a production meeting than anything else, uh, is that uh, my mother was Australian. And right. uh, when I was doing Wolverine, I became a citizen, uh, you know, a dual citizen. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, because I thought, well, you know, open up another market. Yeah, no, maybe. totally. 
it, I'll get a job a little more easily, blah, blah, blah. But because I've done so many movies in and around Sydney and the Gold Coast, I really, really, really knew that East Coast of Australia very well. And because Mel grew up in Sydney, he also knows the area very, very well. So we could sit there and have, oh, what about Goldburn or how about uh, Brinjelli or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so we were all sort of having more of a production meeting than an interview. Yeah. And so it had a great, great meeting. And uh, I left the the room and I thought, OK, you know, that went really well. And I called my agents. I said, what went really well? And you know, and then one week goes by and then two weeks go by and then all of a sudden you go, oh, maybe I didn't do so well. <laughs> and the third week came and the job was mine. Yeah. So uh, which was great. And then I flew to uh, Sydney and we just started jumping right in. Yeah. Given, given that you know, you're, you've been told by the producer, it's a small project with not a lot of money and you've got <laughs> to basically create recreate World War II. <laughs> what was the yes. first thought that goes through your head at that point then? If it explodes, you <laughs> just go, oh no. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I wrote a, an article for the Art Directors Guild magazine and I titled it Three Jeeps, Two Trucks and One Tank. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, that's all we had. I mean, we were really under such tight constraints. So we had to use a lot of tricks. And this now goes back to my theater days. I mean, I was really using a lot, a lot of tricks because we we didn't have the money for uh, a lot of uh, visual effects. So I kept talking Simon Duggan, the director of photography, and Chris Godfrey, the VFX coordinator, and Mel into doing things the old-fashioned way. Yeah. So smoke and mirrors, a lot of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was really, really, uh, it was really challenging. You're pursuant to your question, though, a lot of times when you don't have a lot of money, you simplify everything down. You really begin to boil the visuals down. You know, you pick the right locations, you choose the right scenic elements and prop elements and vehicle elements and you make them really work and you make them work hard for you. And uh, sure enough, that's exactly what we did. And, uh, you know, I had willing partners yeah. in, in, in doing it and you've got to have that. So in terms of research, how much did you know about World War II beforehand or designs or was it, were you basically starting from very little knowledge and having to do a ton of research for it. Well, you know, it's interesting. My dad and his brothers were all in World War II. Right. And it, and and so was my mother. She was she was in the Air Force in Australia. They, you would hear the stories. I would hear the stories sort of in the back room at my dad's uh, petrol station, you know, of, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the war of the Pacific and this that, and the other thing. So, uh, you know, you have those vague ideas of what it's about. You look in books and magazines and online and you, you get a sense. But uh, uh, reading Desmond's story was just incredible. And with any kind of research you do, you always start with the human story. Yeah. But for this one, I went to the World War II Museum in New Orleans. A lot of people don't know that it exists. Okay. It's an amazing, it's huge. It's, it is huge. There's, and it's split up between the different theaters 
you know, Africa, Europe, and then the Pacific. And it's an incredible resource, just the most amazing resource. So I went down there and uh, I, I started looking up the Battle of Okinawa and then uh, got a bunch of research material and I uh, brought it home uh, while I was down there. Also, I went to a couple of my favorite bookstores in New Orleans and found a wonderful book on old Kodachrome images from the 30s and 40s, uh, sort of on the on the home front. Right. So, so we really used both elements. We used the Kodachrome images for Lynchburg, Virginia, and then we were using the research that I did for the Battle of Okinawa. And the interesting thing about the Battle of Okinawa, most of the photographs were aerial photographs. You know, right. uh, so you didn't get a lot of, you know, in-depth understanding of how the landscape had been sculpted by the shelling and the bombardment. And uh, I found a number of interviews with uh, men that had been through the Battle of uh, Okinawa and Hacksaw, and they describe what it was like. And so when we started the designing with my team, I started with my model maker, Jeff Chemis, who is brilliant and has done all of my movies with me in Australia. And we decided that we were going to do a big, big clay model in about eighth inch scale to one foot. So uh, the model itself was probably two meters wide by three meters long, something wow. like that. And it was because Mel didn't really want to use any of the modern tools available to us, like Maya 3D rendering yeah, yeah. was not interested. He wanted to do it the old school way. He wanted to take little toy soldiers and <laughs> set them up and get the lens down, you know, I, I, you know, viewfinder down onto the field and look through it. And, and it would became this amazing tool for all the departments from special effects, VFX, stunts for the first AD, you know, uh, and Simon and for Mel, they were able to really take and use that battlefield model and really plot out how they were going to set up each war. And then we took the model, my department took the model, and we took it out to the the pasture where we built the, the, the battlefield and were able to use that as sort of the maquette for the sculpting of the landscape. Wow, that's mm. that's really impressive. Uh, you mentioned uh, Mel wanting to uh, you know do that sort of stuff, old school rather than modeling. When it actually comes to the to the shooting of the film, how, what's the sort of ratio of of stuff that you're physically building compared to to CGI in terms of sets and things? That's a really good question. For the battlefield, uh, there was very little, if any, CG work, CGI really? work. Wow. Yeah, because uh, we had we had built the battlefield as a bowl and we pushed earth up onto the side. So it was an earthen berm and dropped the land down so that when the camera was down with the actors, you were looking up into the sky or into earthen berms. And then we were able to put big fog tubes around and uh, it just made a, a gray sky. So you couldn't see any eucalyptus trees, right. you couldn't see anything, so that Chris Godfrey didn't have to put in CG every shot. Now, that is, now that's one thing, okay? So that's one element. Yeah. Now we get to the road to Okinawa. We were at the same, in, on the same farmland. Uh, so we did, uh, we, we built the road to Okinawa. And what Chris did was 
he filled in the rest of the road and then laid in the harbor. So you saw the battleships, et cetera, et cetera. So right. that was, but it, we were having to count the number of, of visual effect shots because we were so, so tight. <laughs> and uh, it was really, it was really super tough. Now on the American side, one thing that you might be interested in is uh, when we first see Desmond, he's a little boy running through a forest with his brother. Right. And they, they go climbing up these rocks. Call, it's called the Peak of Otter. And uh, so they're climbing up these rocks and then going up and they're, they're, they're up there and they're, they're woohoo, look at us. And then the camera swoops around and you see all of the beautiful mountainscape of, of Virginia in the background. Well, those scrambling up those little rocks and peaks was in Sydney Harbor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you turn the camera around, you're looking into the Harbor Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, what we, what was laid in was when the boys got up on top of the rocks, uh, green screen was put up and uh, the camera was able to put in, you know, see the see the uh, mountains of Virginia. So yeah. it was, uh, but we were really, really, really tight and um, really weren't many of those shots. So we were not dependent upon CG. It was really, again, old school techniques. And, uh, you know, we all really struggled, you know, and, and there, were ha there had to be a lot of faith going forward because, you know, Trust me, trust me, this is going to work. It's going to work. You're not going to see the <laughs> eucalyptus trees. And Bill Mechanic, the producer, would go, God damn it, I see eucalyptus trees and I can only, you know, we can't get a 360 shot. And I said, you will get a 360 shot. You lay the tubes back there. You fill it with, you know, you turn the camera here. You turn the camera. There. Oh, it was a... A true battle, you know, <laughs> but I think we we, we succeeded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's incredible. So um, yeah. with, with having that sort of limited budget and only being able to do a certain amount of CG stuff, what was the most challenging thing on the shoot? Well, you know, uh, the battlefield was definitely a challenge. Uh, you know, doing any kind of period film anywhere can be really tough because we've got a lot of 21st century things encroaching. Yeah. And then to be making an American movie in a foreign country is a real challenge. <laughs> yeah. So for the Virginia sequences, it was uh, we struggled finding Desmond's house where the family lived. It was a real struggle. You know, I kept saying, no, it's great. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Blah, 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 blah. And there wasn't a lot of love for that. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, but for the streets, you know, where they go to the movie theaters and this and the other thing, uh, we found we found a, a town called uh, Richmond in the Hunter Valley. And it was it, it had a feel you know, we had sort of a feel of an American town from the period. And then we had to do storefronts. My my decorator, Rebecca Cohen, and her team were fantastic. They they did the storefronts and they really made the town come alive as a as an as an American 1930s. But my poor vehicles coordinator, Jeff Naylor, he really had a hard time. We really struggled finding period cars, first of all. Yeah. And we couldn't any American period cars. So we had to make fake steering wheels and take the, the original steering wheels off. So, so it looked like we we're, you know, because in America, they drive on the, uh, the left-hand side. Yeah. And in 
and Australia, the right hand side. So, I mean, it were, it were, you know, fun thing, you know, silly things like that. But, uh, <laughs> but here's, here's a, here's an anecdote for you. All right. And this is, this is, this is a classic movie. So when we were building the, uh, battlefield the battlefield is on a 18 degree slope yeah and this this is the top of the battlefield and the guys arrived down here yeah this is it's called the gates of hell right so they were down here up here for the japanese so okay so we we're building my my uh supervising art director mark robbins and i build 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 we're just going along we're building and uh bill mechanic comes to us one day and he goes hey guys we were down in Brunjelli or, or goldburn excuse me we we're in goldburn and we didn't get the shots that we needed for uh for the cliff face and i was going uh-huh yep and he goes you got to build a cliff face at the battlefield <laughs> And we were going, oh, what? <laughs> and so, of course, we're on a slope like this. And it had to be here. So what that mean meant, we had to dig down oh, God. into the ground 40 feet, out 100, and then 70 feet wide. So, and then we went up, we molded, took molds off of the cliff face, cast them in fiberglass, put them on our cliff face. And the coolest thing though, the coolest thing was Mel was able to get his close-ups, yeah. but he was also able to get, it's, it's basically a one shot. So what happens is you've got your cliff here yeah. and then you've got battlefield running up to sort of my eye line. And he was able to have the guys climb up, get onto the battlefield and run. And he could do that all in one shot without doing a VFX, a visual effect. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, yeah. oh, wow. You know, and the only time I think we used a V effect on that battlefield was when they needed to get very wide, yeah. very, very, to show it really huge. Because our battlefield was the size of uh, a small, very small football pitch. Right. You know, not even, yeah. you know, not and so, I mean, we were really, again, we were just constrained by a, a budget. But, you know, the one thing that people should know is that it's not always a detriment to have a, a tight budget. Yeah. Uh, it, just, it just means you've got to be more creative. Yeah, yeah. Makes you think. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely makes you think. <laughs> so, uh, of course, the, the other thing... Um, I should just talk a little bit about uh, you know, working with Mel Gibson. I mean, the guy's done big battle things before, although, uh, you know, in ancient Scotland, I guess. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, you know, I was really, uh, I was nervous going in on the interview, you know, because, you know, it's Mel Gibson and mm. he's, he's like Mel Gibson. It's yeah, like, yeah. I've, known him, yeah. I've known him, Mel Gibson, you know, almost all my adult life for, for the same age. Yeah. So I was, you know, and I was also nervous about going in and meeting Bill Mechanic because they both have these big, big reputations, you know, and Mel had been in the penalty box. Let's talk about it. Let's yeah. get that out. of. He'd been in the penalty box for 10 years and I was nervous about that. I really you know, nervous, but, you know, he put me at ease so completely, almost immediately. And he, he's a self-deprecating guy. Yeah. And he knows he's the first one to say, I screwed up, Yeah, you know, and enough said, Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's it. And what happens with Mel, it was a joy for me to watch, you know, because, you know, you can see I've done a lot. I'm a, you know, as they say, I'm a veteran. Yeah. Um, and Mel had not directed anything 
uh, he'd acted, but he'd been out of the director's chair for, for 10 years. And so he was very, uh, he was tenuous in the beginning. Mm. And that was really interesting. Yeah. He had an idea. He knew what he wanted. He could definitely say no, yes, blah, blah, blah. But he, he was, you could, you could tell he was finding his way. And the exciting thing for me is that I could bring him something, he'd get excited, you know, and then as we got closer and closer to shooting, he became more and more of a master filmmaker. And by the time we were ready to roll camera, he was all in and wow, it was really great to watch, you know, and uh, he was just so he could he can be so inspiring and not in an overt way. He never asks for anything. <laughs> the guy doesn't ask for anything, but uh, you want to give him respect. You do. You want to give him respect. I respect him tremendously. You know, as a filmmaker, he he's right there. He's right at the top. Yeah. And uh, he's got a real clear vision. He knows what he wants, how to get it. And he's a collaborator, you know, and that is rare, mm. you know, because uh, there are there are very, especially when you're working with somebody for the first time, and I was working with him for the first time, there's a little bit of, you know, the egos can get involved, you know, you know, things can be miscommunicated, never with Mel. He was always just clear, present, knew what he wanted. If you had a problem, if you could give him more, he would love it. So it, it was great. And I, you know, I say this without, you know, any hesitation. He's one of those guys. I, I, I've got about two other directors. I feel the same way about if he said, hey, hey, buddy, come on, let's go up in that airplane and we're going to jump out. No parachutes. Just follow my lead. I would do it. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. You know, and one other little aside, that guy is fearless. He has no fear. He is the craziest ever. We were up in Goulburn, which is about uh, 120 kilometers out of Sydney to the south, actually. And um, we were up on this ridge and we were really high up. I mean, this ridge is like it's way down there. It's like five or six stories high. You know, and he would be literally on the edge looking over thinking, <laughs> leaning, I, you know, and I've got vertigo, so I'm not going to the edge. <laughs> so, but he made me crazy. I was always worried that he was going <laughs> to fall off the cliff, you know, because he doesn't have a harness on. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a, he's a strong guy. Yeah. He's a really strong guy. So, but he, he was great. He was really great. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that, um, yeah, yeah, like you say, he's made some mistakes, but he makes incredible films, and I sort of want to see him back on top again. And the sure. the trailer for Hacksaw Ridge looks fantastic. I really yeah. like um, Andrew Garfield. I, I think he, he's a, let me just say I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah, that guy is the one of the most amazing actors I've ever witnessed, and I watch a lot of dailies. <laughs> there were a couple of times, David, where I was watching dailies. I, I had to turn it off. It was just, he went to such a personal internal place that, you know, for that character, he, he's perfect. He couldn't have been better. Take after take to, to pull up that kind of emotion. It's just, he's, he is extraordinary. And I've, and I've liked him in all of his movies and I loved him in 99 homes, but wow, <laughs> he is so incredible yeah. in Hacksaw. He's just amazing. I don't, he channeled 
Desmond to a T. I mean, he was amazing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing the uh, actual film because I've only seen the trailer so far. So, uh, you know, oh. it, it, it looks really interesting. Um, it's a fascinating subject. Uh, as I say, I love Andrew Garfield, so I, I think that could be uh, really, really good. Well, you know, what? When, when, I know you've got to go here in a minute, but when you're looking at the film, let me just tell you the thing that I think has been standing out and the reason I'm getting a lot of interest is we decided that we were going to do a color palette for the film, and there are three sections of the film. So when you're watching it, see if you think about it and then drop me a note. If you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that was cool. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. You know, uh, so for the beginning... You know, I told you we were we used a very uh, realistic palette. We didn't want to do the sepia tone thing of remembering in the past and blah, blah, blah. So we kept it sort of just in a very soft palette range. So naturalistic, very soft, blah, blah, blah. Then we went to Fort Jackson, where the military base is, and we used a palette of green and beige with uh, one shot of like a... uh, burgundy burnt burnt blood running through it yeah and uh the only time i deviated from that was in desmond's cell you'll see where right. he okay he's been thrown he's in trial he's thrown in the cell and i used a uh a research that i had done on a monk cell in eastern europe because I felt that it was sort of right for him. And so um, I had a number of photographs from traveling around Europe and I pulled it, showed it to Mel and he said, yeah, that's really cool. It's a little barrel vault, just this little barrel vault. Right. And there's a cruciform window. That's the only allusion to to religion in the scene. But I took away the the color palette and made it a black and white scene, you know, because it was really, you know, using sort of a a psychological underpinning of where the guy was at, you know, because he's made a decision. He's not going to betray his religious beliefs. He's not going to pick up a gun, come hell or high water. This is what he, and so by splitting the room and, between black below and white above, Simon and Mel were able to raise and lower the camera. And by doing that, raise and lower the amount of black or white in the scene or pushing okay. So it added visual attention. And then the third is the fog of war. Yeah. And then you, you see the battlefield. So anyway, three concise elements in the film. Oh, that's really interesting. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to keep an eye out for that when I see it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I think we've we've been on like half an hour or so. So uh, yeah. there are there are a couple of final questions that we usually ask sure. people. The two things we usually ask are: uh, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Oh wow! Um, Game of Thrones. Needless to say, everybody in the world is watching yeah. Game of Thrones. Wow. To be honest with you, because of the election here in the United States, <laughs> we've been watching a lot of reality TV. So, <laughs> so leave it at that. Yes. Yeah. Anything to... <laughs> you, know, I've got a, you know, one other show that I'm absolutely addicted to is Penny Dreadful. I don't know if you oh, know it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's fantastic. Ava Green yeah. is a goddess. Yeah. She's like amazing. Just unbelievable. Anyway, so those would be my two. And uh, I know you mainly work in film, but if you were to get involved with a TV show, which one would it be? Oh, yeah. Well, I just think I named, (laughs) I would be more than happy to do, you know, a really great big period drama of some kind. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, you know, the, I suppose the other, I guess the other one that I, 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 I'm lying. I have, I can't believe I didn't say this, but I mean, uh, the other show that I watch, 
you know, pretty religiously because it's so out there is um, Walking Dead. I mean, I yeah. love Walking Dead, you know. So, I mean, you know, I would love to do, I would love to get into, you know, a big, big television show. You yeah. Know? You know, because uh, what's going on in TV right now is you can really expand. Yeah. You're, you know, where films in the past had all the money. Now these big TV shows yeah. have all the money. Yeah. And, you know, my, uh, you know, my background, you know, I love fantasy. So, you know, it, it goes way back to my theater days. Yeah. So. Yeah. Would love to do that. Yeah. Love to do it. I think yeah, you're finding certainly with a lot of the actors are coming across TV shows. I mean, you've got Anthony Hopkins on Westworld at the moment. You've Robert yeah. De Niro has just signed up for something on Amazon. Yeah, so, yeah so, and the Meryl Streep is also yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've done a number of pilots that just haven't gone. Yeah, you yeah, know, it, and it, it's too bad. I I did one down in New Zealand called Lumen for right. uh, Spielberg and. Oh, that was so cool. It was steampunk world. Oh, wow. And, oh, wow. It was so cool. I just was desperate for that to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so difficult, particularly with pilots, you know, because, yeah, they, they could be brilliant but if if the um if the network that you're pitching to doesn't like it what can you do you know so you know they either work or they don't work yeah but i've got some amazing amazing photographs from lumen oh, wow. i mean just they just blow my mind when i look at them because oh, they, they're just so yeah. cool you yeah. know with the airships and you know oh. strange vehicles and all that so that sounds very brilliant cool. <laughs> yeah there yeah. you go all right Wonderful. Well, um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I thank you for coming on. I'm looking forward to seeing the film. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, David. Well, it was a pleasure. And if you need anything else from me, just give me a jingle. I will do. Thank you. Cheers. Right, cheers. Bye. So that was the interview with Barry. Hope you enjoyed that. Here's some air date information. <laughs> So air dates this week. No cancellations, couple of renewals. Uh, Sneaky Pete has got picked up for a second season, so we've got that. Uh, this Is Us, which has come no great surprise, has also got picked up for a second season because it's been a massive hit in America, that show, so uh, there's no great shock that that's back. Changes. We have Lethal Weapon. We now have an idea of an air date. It's going to come at some point, I think, later on in March. So this is the TV series based on the uh, uh, based on the movie starring Mel Gibson again. Handily, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I've actually seen the first two episodes of this at a screening, and uh, it's really fun. It has very much the spirit of the movie in it, but you know, redone for TV. I really enjoyed it. it it's going to be one definitely worth looking out for. We'll probably talk a bit more about it next week, but the uh, but yeah, I. I Really enjoyed that, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Last week's night with John Oliver returns for a fourth season, which is absolute genius. I'm very interested to see what he comes back with on Donald Trump. So uh, that's on Sky Atlantic on the 13th of February. We've got Rain returning for a fourth season on Netflix. That'll be the 11th of February at 8am. It's basically the day after the US. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Blacklist is back for the second half of season four. That's shifted channels. It's moved from Sky Living to Sky One. That's going to be on the 8th of February at 9pm. 
Billions returns for a second season. That's on the 21st of February at 10 p.m. I just couldn't get into Billions. I don't know what it was, but I don't know. There I just is a, couldn't get into it. There is a lot of kind of stuff to do with hedge funds and politics and that sort of stuff in there. So, yeah, you know, but I really enjoyed the first season of that. So I'm looking forward to the second season of mm. that. Uh, Damien Lewis and Paul Giamatti in that. The first season of Billions is up on uh, Skybox sets if you want to go and catch up with it. Major Crimes Season 5B, that's coming back for the second half of the Season 5 on the 27th of February at 9pm. House of Cards Season 5, that's coming on the 30th of May, that will be on Netflix. That's moved back a couple of months from, it usually comes in like February, but yeah, they've moved yeah. it back a few months. Whether they've moved it back because of the election this year, I'm not sure, but mm. it, I think they also had a change of the showrunner as well, so that may be more likely why. But yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming back. Shades of Blue, which is J-Lo as a police detective. She's back for a second season of that on Sky Living at some point in March. There's a new comedy called Carter's Get Rich, which is actually a British comedy, but um, James Vanderbeek is starring from... Dawson's Creek. Uh, he's actually starring as a tech billionaire. It's a comedy about a boy genius who develops an app to make his family rich sort of overnight. And James Vanderbeek plays the billionaire that gives them the money and buys the app. So um, that's coming to Sky One in March. It's called Carter's Get Rich. Wild Things third season of that, which I've never seen. It's on Sky One. It's basically a sort of version of it. It's a knockout with uh, a nature theme. That's coming to Sky One in March. March. Midnight Sun, season one of that, coming to Sky Atlantic. It's a French-Swedish co-production. It's a high-concept, higher Nordic noir series about a French police officer investigating a murder in a remote Swedish mining community. Uh, it's called Midnight Sun. That's in March on Sky Atlantic. Uh, Lucky Man, season two, or should I say Stan Lee's Lucky Man, season two, <laughs> starts on the uh, 24th of February at 9pm. That's arriving. I really enjoyed the first season of that so i'm i'm, I'm gonna try and get around to the first season of that because it's on the it's on the box sets thing yeah that is on the box sets if you want to go and catch up with that it's very good there is a uh, show coming to Amazon Prime starring Kevin Bacon called I Love Dick. It's uh, based on a a book I seem to remember. It's it, it's too hard to explain, so I would say go and watch it if you like Kevin Bacon because <laughs> um, it's it's a fairly complicated, slightly odd show. That so uh, yes. But uh, coming to Amazon Prime on the 12th of May, that is. And Sensei Season 2, that's coming to Netflix. Yeah, uh, there was was that sort of weird Christmas episode thing that they did. And the Season 2 of Sensei is now arriving on the 5th of May on Netflix. So uh, that's back. Next week on TV, we have... Uh, further back in time for dinner which I think that was one of Andrew's shows that he put on uh, BBC 2 that comes on on the 24th of January at 8pm there is Fortitude season 2 arrives on Sky Atlantic that's on the 26th of January at 9pm my dad started watching the first season I think he's finished it actually and then I told him it's coming back on, a, on Thursday yes. what we did we um, we dropped the BT TV thing um, and then we've just got now TV boxes because you can have you can have like four devices on one account um, oh, right, yeah. We just we've got one each, so yeah. Now it's worth doing. Yeah. Now, now TV boxes. I, I actually, um, I they're got one. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're fantastic. You can get a now TV box off Amazon right now for I think it's twenty or thirty quid, and it comes with six months 
of now tv on it so you, you, I mean, it's actually probably cheaper to go and buy a box every time you want to renew it and throw mm. the box away just to get the code yeah and then just sign in yeah because it's, it's like a with any kind of account that stores information like that it will still have like your watch list and all that sort of stuff yeah, um, yeah. so it'll be on your account so yeah yeah so it's uh, it's a quite a good way of doing it, but the, it's a great service. If you can't get Sky, or if Sky's too expensive for you, Now TV is a much better way of doing it. So yeah, that's Fortitude season two. That's back on the twenty sixth of January at nine pm. Next up is a big one: uh, Riverdale season one of Riverdale arrives mm. on Netflix on the twenty seventh of January. Should be there from about eight pm in the morning. Eight am, sorry, in the morning. I've watched the trailer for that because I've heard good things, but I haven't seen the trailer or anything yet. So. There, there are a few trailers kicking around. I think this we posted some on the website actually. Um, oh. But uh, yeah, it's it's Greg Belanti, the man behind Flash, Arrow, all those shows. It's his kind of dark take on Archie comics. So. That it looks really interesting. Um, it looks a bit like it's going to be some sort of teen drama mixed with Twin Peaks. So, so mm. it could be really quite interesting, that show. I'm looking forward to that coming. Last Leg is back for its 10th season, which sees Adam Hills, Alex Brooker and Joss Widdicombe return. That's on uh, 27th of January at 10pm that arrives. I love that show. It's hilarious. Z, the beginning of everything, or Z, the beginning of everything, because it's an American show, comes to Amazon Prime. That's on the 27th of January as well. That stars Christina Ricci as Zelda before she meets F. Scott Fitzgerald. So it's Zelda Fitzgerald beating F. Scott Fitzgerald. Basically, there is an argument to say that Zelda is responsible for quite a lot of F. Scott Fitzgerald's writing and he nicked it off her. So I think that's part of the reason why they're doing a show about it. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finally, finally arrives. Now we just need Channel 5 to stop putting random stuff on and get Gotham back. Yes, Gotham, Gotham is going to be later in the year. I'm trying to find out when later means, but it is going to be later in the year. So difficult to tell. But yes, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for now. Anyway, that is back on E4 for its fourth season on the 29th of January at 9pm. So now we've added Ghost Rider for this season. So, And because it's so late after the US, we should get it run straight through as well. So we'll get the whole series in one mm-hmm. go rather than about three different bits, which is what it's been in America. <laughs> Suits is back for the second half of season six. That's on Dave, and that's on the 29th of January at 10 p.m. So you can watch Agents of Shield and then watch Suits straight afterwards. So home then is on a is that a Sunday, the 29th? Uh yes. Yeah, it's a Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So Black Sales for season four. That's the final season. That's the pirate drama from Michael Bay. That comes on to Amazon Prime on the 30th of January. Then we have Flash back and Supergirl back. Uh, Supergirl is back on at 8pm uh, on the 31st of January. Flash is back at 9pm on the 31st of January. So they're now both on a Tuesday and uh, they basically will be following each other. Alright, so the CW said, right, Legends of Tomorrow isn't doing great, so we're going to put it after our best show, which is The Flash, 
And then Sky said, we're going to be even weirder. I do doubles on Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> yeah, so they've doubled up. So, uh, yeah, Flash and Supergirl will be on uh, Tuesday next week, then Legends, then Arrow on the Thursday next week. So looking forward to those coming back. Yeah, I think they got, uh, they've got done nine each. Legends is shorter, isn't it? Legends is, what, 17 episodes? Yes. 16, 17? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, except the others are all on nine, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I've had nine episodes, yeah. So there's there's a few more to go yet, but uh, they've also mm. made some announcements about the musical episode oh, today yeah, as well. Yes, the uh, the musical episode of which is coming of uh, Flash and Supergirl, they've cast Darren Chris, who was one of the people that was on Glee as Music Pretty Meister. Helpful. Yes, so yeah. he'll he'll be playing Music Meister on the uh, new episode, which yeah. is episode seventeen, I think. I mean, they're calling it a crossover, but it's not too like full length crossover episodes. It's basically what they did last time in that Supergirl will kick it off right at the very end. And then uh, the Supergirl yeah. characters will go into Flash. And the Flash episode is t- entitled Duet. That should be coming on the 28th of March. Um, that'll be on the same night, won't it? Because like, Yeah, yeah, they will be. So yeah. Supergirl will run straight into Flash. Uh, 28th of March, assuming they've not got any more breaks coming up. So that's going to have Grant singing. It's going to have Melissa singing. Darren joins them as Music Meister, who's the villain for this episode. Jesse L. Martin, who played Joe's West, is also going to be singing in the show, as is Carlos, who plays Cisco. From Supergirl's side, Jeremy Jordan is joining them, who plays Wynn. And then from Glee, the other... Were they all on Glee or something? Because I know that Grant and Melissa were, weren't they? No, no, not necessarily. Jesse Martin's uh, he's like an old school song and dance guy. We've actually seen Jesse Martin sing on the show already, on the, the alternative Earth, on Earth 2. Yeah, um, yeah. So you've got those. Uh, Victor Garber, again, he's another stage guy. So uh, he plays Martin Stein. He's going to be on it. And, uh, of course, because you would have had to lock him in a crate and drop it to the bottom of the ocean to stop him being on it, John Barrowman <laughs> will be appearing yeah. as Malcolm Verlin on the show as well and will be joining in the singing. Apparently, David Harwood, who plays Hank Headshaw, and uh, Monel, are, uh, the Chris Wood, who plays Monel, they're both going to be on the show, but I, I take it don't have much musical talent because they won't be singing. So, <laughs> I wonder so, what like the lead-up or like the cause of it will be. Well, I mean, Music Meister, is is a music based villain so I imagine that, that he's going to be the cause of it but yes. um, how will I make them all sing I'm not entirely sure he's I know he's a character that showed up I think in the Batman cartoons I think he's been on so we'll see he was play, in the cartoons he was played by Neil Patrick Harris or voiced by Neil Patrick Harris it's a shame that they couldn't get him to come and do it on this but I do get the reason why they've gone for a Glee cast member or an ex-Glee cast member to do it because that sort of makes sense but you know yeah I will put Neil Patrick Harris in most things. So, so. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so that's everything for this week. If you want to find out the latest UK air dates you can go or the latest news, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk. You can get in touch with your questions and comments by emailing us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. You can leave a message on the website post. You can find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown or on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown or on Instagram at geektownuk. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.